0: All right, welcome back to the Denny Price Family YMCA podcast, the story according to us, a conversation about community and leadership with my co-host and friend, former NBA player, former University of Oklahoma basketball legend BP Brent Price, and of course myself, the coach Greg Shamberg. Our guest today is Jeremy Heiss, who is the vice president of the Enid Northern Oklahoma College campus. Welcome, Jeremy. Thank you. Glad to be here. We've got lots of good questions that we are going to make up as we go along because I wrote nothing down for this. I'm better winging it. But uh, tell us, Jeremy, kind of your start. This is I think this is kind of an interesting story of how you came to Enid, kind of your start with, with Coach Leeton in baseball and kind of go from there.
1: Yeah, we, um, I was coaching up at uh, Missouri Valley College in uh, Marshall, Missouri. Got a phone call from Radon Leeton. said they were going to start a program uh, from scratch here at Northern Oklahoma College uh, on the Enid campus. Asked if I wanted to come be a, a volunteer coach. Um, pretty much, you know, find part-time jobs here yeah. and there to be able to make that Your work. volunteer and, coach. Yeah, and uh, so not a not a paying gig, but an opportunity to get back to, to Oklahoma and to coach with Coach Leeton, who he was my high school coach. And uh, so that sounded like a, a fun opportunity. Uh, so came back to Enid uh, or came to Enid Started helping Coach Leeton with the uh, with the baseball program um, 2000 and 2001, I think, was that first year, the fall of 2000, spring of 2001. Um, and, you know, like I said, it was a volunteer situation, so I was working uh, night and weekend security. I was working in the I remember you were doing security, <laughs> marching around with
0: your little badge, yeah. Yeah, I, packing some heat.
1: Those of you who know me well, you, you know the NOC was very secure at the time. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, that's uh, do, doing odd and end jobs, but uh, opportunity to come here and, and be a college coach. And, and uh, uh, you know, we, we experienced some pretty quick success. Um, we uh, went to the Junior College World Series in 2002, uh, finished third in the nation that year. And, uh, you know, still scratching and clawing, trying to find a way to pay the bills and make things work. And uh, I remember sitting in the bookstore. Um, about to go to Borger, Texas, for an interview, when uh, Dr. Vineyard came in the office. He came into the bookstore and said, "Hey, we have an opening in the social science department. Would you like it?" And he no longer got it out of his mouth. And I was saying, "Yes." Yeah. Well, I canceled I that interview up? in Borger, Texas, today. So
0: <laughs> can't yeah. imagine why you wouldn't want to live in Borger, Texas. <laughs> I've been there before.
1: Yeah, but then I uh, got got a job as a as a teacher in the social science department, and and did that for about 11 years. Um, then I became the athletic director uh, here at uh, NOC. I did that uh, for both the Tonkawa and the Enid campus uh, for seven years. And seven? Then, was it seven years? Seven years. Wow, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, seven years. It was uh, a lot of fun. We had a lot of success during that period of time, and, and um, then uh, took a a one-year break went to Enid Public Schools and taught uh, sophomore English there for a year, and then uh, I bet that was interesting. <laughs> it was, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was uh, not my cup of tea. I, I, <laughs> thankfully, there are some great people at Enid Public Schools who helped make that transition possible um, and helped guide me along the way. Because if I'd have been left to my own devices for a year of touching of teaching sophomore English, uh, it would have been a disaster. But they had some great people out there that helped me out, and that. Uh, in that endeavor. And then fortunately had the opportunity to come back to NOC as the vice president this year.
2: So Jeremy, was your was your background in education? I mean, was that what you had got your degree in and was planning on doing or, or was it more, did you have sights on being a coach? It
1: was, it was more about being a coach. Whenever I went to the University of Central Oklahoma and I went and talked to my advisor, they asked what I wanted to do. And I said that I wanted to get into coaching. And at that so you're time, crazy, in
2: other words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So didn't I, learned you're a thing, kind of like Shamberg <laughs> over here. Yeah. Uh,
1: so whenever you're talking to your academic advisor at the uh, University of Central Oklahoma back then, for sure, what they told you is, is that whenever one coach leaves, generally speaking, the history teacher does too. You know, so if you right. want to be a coach, you need to be a history teacher. So that's uh, when I went into um, uh, social science and and got a degree in history and, and uh, uh had some really great teachers at, at UCO that that made it to where I wanted not, I didn't want to just be a teacher. I wanted to be good at it. I don't, you know, I had some coaches in high school that were coaches that, uh, that were not teachers at all, you know, and they made no bones about that. I'm not here to be a teacher, you know, uh, and I didn't, uh, I didn't want to be like that. I wanted to, I wanted to be a good teacher. Um, and fortunately I had some, some great people at UCO to provide some leadership on that and,
2: Guidance. Yeah. So you were you were the athletic director over both both colleges for a while. Yeah. So how how does that work? How do you yeah, how balance does that, out and how fill out work, fill a, <laughs> fill out both teams? You know, you, did you show favoritism? I guess that's what I'm asking. You know? <laughs>
1: No, there was was no favoritism, especially whenever it's a bedlam and everybody's there and it feels like everybody's looking at you. And nobody is. I mean, I'm sure that there probably are people, but they're there to watch the game. But in my mind, like, you can't react. You can't cheer. You can't – like, even a good play that you would – if you were just at a at a regular NBA game and you see a good play and you'd be like, "Oh, that was a good play," you didn't even really feel like you could do that a lot of times. So it was a it was an awkward situation, and it was one of one of two colleges in um, the United States that I'm aware of that had um, one athletic director for two different campuses. Well, there was another yeah. school up in um, up in Missouri that had a, a similar type of a situation. Uh, so it was it was very unique, um, and one of the challenges that I had during that time was I had been in the Enid community for over a decade, and I had what I felt like were a lot of contacts that whenever something comes up and I need help, whether that be financially or whether that be through resources or whether that be through donation of time and effort, I felt like I had a pretty good connection or a pretty good group of people that could help me in the Enid community. Um, But I always had an element of guilt that if that same situation comes up in the Tonkawa campus, I don't have the same resources. I don't have the same ability to be able to help our coaches over in that area. But one of the things that we wanted to accomplish um, at Northern Oklahoma College was there was this uh, at that time, about eight, nine years ago, there was always this thought that, you know, they're getting an opportunity that we're not. And so, by having a single athletic director, we were able to try to eliminate a lot of that. You know, it was clear that we're getting the same budgets, and although you may not have the exact same resources, you have the exact same opportunities. What you choose to do with those resources, how you choose to invest them, well, that's where creativity and and um, you know uh, thoughtfulness comes into play in all of that. What are you going to do with the same amount of resources that have been given to everybody else? So-
0: You were really fortunate in the Enid to have three of the best coaches in the history of of baseball, basketball, and women's basketball, Radon Leeton, Scott Morris, and, of course, myself. Tell us how um, those relationships, um, how much, well, let's just be honest, how much fun we had in those, gosh, 15 years before I kind of got out. But, I mean, we watched each other. We rooted for each other. Remember, I actually went to – the tournament in Millington, Tennessee, which yep. is, gosh, twenty, how many years ago was that? Now, two, two, twenty years. We're doing yeah, twenty the, years, uh, yeah. April
1: 9th is the twentieth anniversary alumni uh, event for that World Series team, and I mean, you you joke about that a little bit about the the, the best coaches, but think about what that group of coaches accomplished. Um, it, it's pretty amazing what that group of coaches were willing or were capable of accomplishing all of them went to the national tournament all of them were nationally ranked on multiple occasions all of them were named you know uh conference coach of the year um it really was and the fact that we kept that nucleus of coaches together for as long as we did um that's not common at a community college no it's not and so that it really was a, a friendship and a bond that Um, I felt like we all supported each other uh, to a great extent, Um, traveled and and watched each other's teams in the in the postseason. It was a friendship that that became a bond between the the, really the four of us. You know, it's three different programs. But, um, you know, and I'd even throw Julie Baggett into that. You know, she came. Yeah, she's a big part of that. But. She's a part of that same family, um, you know. And and Josh Quintero, he came along a little bit later, um, but uh, you know he was a part of that family. I felt like it was a a great bond in the in the athletic department here at uh, at Noc. And, uh,
0: of course, I'm sure you don't remember how many games I won as the uh, head coach out there, but it's it's a, it's a record. It's it's
2: it's how a many te- it's How many technicals did he get? That would be the most. Did, did you guys did you guys find find him for all the technicals he got? Yeah. Yes, yeah. that was there something in the contract that dealt with that.
1: He has a record for the number
2: of wins, <laughs>
1: uh, but he also has the record for the number of losses uh, and the record for the number of technical fouls.
2: <laughs> I don't
0: remember the losses, but I do remember <laughs> winning 324 games. In case anybody wants to know, you yeah. so <laughs> got the number up. Out
2: of out of 750, no, I'm no, good. No, that's not true. Um, Jeremy, uh, I've asked this to Dr. Floyd, and I'll ask you kind of on the, on a the higher education level. You know, because you've been there now, uh, you uh, you know, through as a teacher, as a coach, as administration, how have you seen uh, culture change and the challenges of higher education now versus maybe when you started? Or, you know, what are some things that are better maybe possibly now than than when you first kind of got into it? Um,
1: Well, I think that uh, one of the changes that, that you see in higher education is how quick people want to be done. You know, it's not really um, a process where, you know, whenever I was going to college, it was not uncommon for people to go um, for five years in order to complete a bachelor's degree. You know, and now everybody wants it streamlined as quick as they possibly can. You know, like we're, we're about to unveil uh, how soon is this, uh, is this published? Like wait, we, get, we can wait <laughs> if we need to. <laughs> we're, we have a program that we're working on with with some of our academic partners where we're trying to streamline it to the point where an individual can graduate in three and a half years uh, for their program. Now, if, if they go and they take concurrent enrollment, they could potentially be done even quicker than that. They could graduate in less than two years from the time they finish high school to have a bachelor's degree. And, you know, to me, that's um, that's... A positive and a negative. It's a positive in that if you know exactly what it is you want to do, and you're confident that this is this is my path. I've always wanted to do this, and here we go. I'm gonna I'm I'm jumping to it. We all know plenty of people that that's been their story. They knew from a very early age what they wanted to do, and that's exactly what they went they went and done. But we've also um, known a large number of people that whenever they go to college, they change their major two, three, four times, and so. That's whenever you're going into it as an 18, 19, 20 year old. So with the concurrent enrollment aspect of things, now we're starting college at you know 16, sometimes even younger than that. How many times will a 16 year old change their mind and what it is they actually wanna do? Uh, so it's the speed in which people are wanting to get through the program um, that has changed. Uh, that's one of the things that has changed. Um, one of the positives that, that I would say has uh, developed in, in higher education is the partnerships between community colleges and our other educational partners. Um, you know, at Autry Technology, you can go out there and you can, um, you know, get a, a, a hands on skill. And then you can take that hands on skill, bring it to, to Northern Oklahoma College and get uh, an Associates of Applied uh, Technology. And then you can take your Associates of Applied Technology, go over to Northwestern and get a Bachelor's of Applied Technology. Um, we have partnerships with, um, Northwestern and multiple other programs, uh, partnerships, the, the Gateway Program with Oklahoma State University. There was there was such a fear whenever I was in college that whenever you transfer, you're losing all of these hours. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that fear has been eliminated by the partnerships that we've been able to, to build. So I would say that's yeah. another. Uh, yeah, is,
2: is that now, is that unique to Enoch Because I know, you know, you have a higher education council here that y'all meet and share resources, like you said, and, and, and partnership. Is that unique to Enid, or is that something that's going on all over the place now?
1: I think it's unique to Enid. um, You know, Dwight Hughes, uh, we were visiting. He's uh, the superintendent out at uh, Autry Technology, and we were visiting with him over lunch uh, not long ago. And he was saying, you know, how much he really appreciates our partnership because it's not like that all across the state of Oklahoma. Um, And you know, like Dr. McMillan over at Northwestern, um, there are uh, plenty of places where. The, there's competition within the own individual community between the community college and the four-year institutions that are there. And it most certainly feels like a partnership um, here. You mentioned the Enid Higher Education Council. Uh, Dr. McMillan and I, we are a part of a, an educational organization that they're they looking for presenters on different topics. And Dr. McMillan has proposed that, that we should do a presentation over the Enid Higher Education Council because it is mm. such a unique yeah. situation where Enid Public Schools, Autry Technology, NOC, and Northwestern are all raising money to provide student scholarships, local students from this area scholarships, to start their academic career here and graduate from here. Uh, that's that's it's very unique. Yeah. It's a great, yeah, great organization.
0: Well, tell us a little bit about uh, COVID, the end of COVID, and where kind of the vision is to get these kids back in the educational system. I know that's a big issue right now with schools, low enrollment. We know that seniors, actually school age kids have kind of dropped in the state of Oklahoma. So maybe explain to some people how the dynamics of that and how that works, if you don't mind.
1: Well, so whenever whenever COVID hit, um, obviously everything changed and, and higher education is no different. The, the change that we experienced was that um, we went to virtual learning for a period of time. And when we went to virtual learning, there are um, a large number of people that have no desire to have any part with virtual learning. They want the individual attention that, it, that instructors provide um, and that hands-on, face-to-face, want That, that um, not one-to-one, but you, you get the idea yeah. that uh, more direct access to your instructor and to the, um, what they're trying to teach. Um, my son is an example of that. He's, he's been a good student um, since he, he was out at Chisholm High. Um, he was a PLC student at, at uh, NOC. Um, did excellent all the way up until COVID and they go virtual. And then whenever they go virtual, he ends up um, um, failing one class. Sorry, Logan, if you're listening to this and then dropping <laughs> a few others. You know, like he had, he had no desire whatsoever to do virtual. Mm -hmm. And there's a significant number of people that fall into that boat. Well, even that next year, whenever OU goes back to allowing in-person classes, he still was reluctant to go because he thought as soon as COVID ramps back up, they're going to make me go virtual again. And I don't want to be back in that position where I I, I might have to go back to, Mm -hmm. to studying virtually. So I think there's a group of people that, that they, Mm -hmm. um, avoided going to college because they were fearful of that type of a situation. So community college enrollment across the United States dropped by at least 10 percent, significantly higher in certain areas and and less for like us. Our our enrollment didn't drop 10 percent, but it dropped, you know, pretty close to that amount. Um, And so one thing that was a little bit unique about this spring compared to previous springs is that we actually saw an increase in headcount. Um, that's not common in the spring semester. It always goes down.
0: Yeah, i never um, heard of that before. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Now
1: credit hours did not go up. Um, so what that what that suggests is, is we had more people who came back as part time students. Yeah. So it's kind of like they're dipping their toe in it to see is am I am I ready to go back? Whenever you kind of explore the state of Oklahoma and the college going rate of high school students um, or higher education uh, going rate it's around 40%, 60% of students don't go, go on to receive a higher education. Well, that statistic, it became an even, even uh, larger amount who didn't go on to see higher education uh, due to this. So there's a couple of ways that you can look at that from an enrollment perspective. You can say enrollment trends are, are, are trending down uh, or you could look at it and say, there's a bigger pool of people that have graduated within the past five to 10 years who are who we could target to be able to to you know start their their college career now, and that's what I hope. What I hope is is that we're going to have a larger number of people who have graduated in the recent past that are going to say, okay, I think that COVID is is no longer going to disrupt what I'm trying to do. I feel safe that I'm not going to have my classes disrupted and have to learn in a format that I'm not comfortable with. Now I can jump into college and and make this uh, this goal of improving my life and and providing some stability and, and opportunities for me and my family uh, moving forward. So that's, yeah. that's the
0: hope. <clears throat> Of course, all of us have been educated in various degrees and places that we've gone to school. And the value of education, whether it's at Northern Oklahoma College or Oklahoma State University or Autry Tech or wherever, people need some form of education because realistically, the statistics show that to, to, to survive with an inflation rate that we've got right now, you're going to need some form of education unless you just – Hit the lottery, which is, you know, or you hit the uh, bracket where you win a million dollars if you pick all the games without missing one, which is probably not very realistic that <laughs> people do it. But just the value of education. And one thing that, that I kind of struggle with here in Enid is people don't understand what they actually have here as a resource, not only North Oklahoma College, but Northwestern and everything else. So um, how do we get them to understand what they actually have here? How do we... How do we advertise that?
1: Yeah, we, we're fortunate there are, that there are a large number of people who do understand what we have here and that they do understand the value of what our, our system of education in this area provides. It is a high-quality education. That's, the, that's the, what I want to stress to people first and foremost is not that NOC is affordable. We are. We're the most affordable community college in the state of Oklahoma. But, I mean, you can go buy the cheapest car. It doesn't mean you're going to enjoy the car. We want to stress the fact that this is a high-quality education. We've been recognized by the Aspen Institute four times to be one of the top 10% community colleges in the country. Uh, we've been recognized by Smart Asset as being one of the best top 10 community colleges in the country for return on your investment. Uh, we've been recognized by WalletHub. Uh, we've been recognized by uh, a couple of other uh, organizations of being the, the best community college in the state of Oklahoma. So it's, I, I think that one thing that we have to stress to people is not the, the cost of going yeah, to school. not cheap. It's not cheap. It's quality. It's a high-quality education that you're able to receive for a, a, a lower cost. Um, then I do want to point out that it is a lower cost. I yeah. mean, you, you're, <clears throat> when you talk about um, what the costs are to go to um, OU or OSU or some of the other universities across the state of Oklahoma, uh, I, I keep bringing my son up, but I actually made him say it to me. I, this is your money. You tell me that you would rather give OU $20,000 than come to NOC. I mean, if we go and we talk to a bunch of high school students today and we say, I'm going to give you 20,000 bucks, what are you going to do with it? Very few of them are going to say, pay for a dorm in Norman. <laughs> I mean, that's not really the ideal situation. But see, that's I mean. how
0: good OU is, Jeremy. <laughs> i to tell you. OSU grad here. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, it helps Sorry. if they give you 20000 to come and play basketball. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. No. So
1: that's, that's a, another thing. And then I, I honestly think that what we have from many of our students who choose not to go to college is I think there is a fear. I, um, there's a fear that I'm not capable, that <sighs> I, I'm not college material. Well, how do you know? You know college and high school are not the same. I hated high school. I don't know what you guys thought about high school, but I, I was there to play baseball and, and then go away. I didn't want to study and all of that other stuff. but high school was eight o'clock to, to four o'clock by the time you were done with practice and sometimes later. That's not the college environment. The college environment. you can be a full-time uh, student in college and start your classes at 8:30 in the morning and be done by 11:30 in the morning. All, every day of the week and you're still a full time student. So for those people that don't like that, you know, the, the
0: like a full time job, hmm. you
1: know, it's not the same. You, you, you have a little bit more flexibility. You have the ability to, to choose your schedule. You are capable, especially whenever you get into the courses that you can actually see this is what I'm going to do with my life. I mean, my. You go look at my high school uh, uh, transcript. You're not impressed at all. By the time I got into my educational classes, and I'm in my I'm in my junior and senior year, and I'm taking history and government classes that I can see how I'm going to be using this in my teaching profession. I, I had like a 3.8 GPA because I this was what I'm interested in. It's what I want to do, and that's what I don't. I don't think high school students understand that. Like you're you're very very close to being able to dictate what your schedule is what you're going to study and have it apply towards something that you actually want to do with your life so that's that's what i want to stress to them is that they are capable even if they weren't great high school students it doesn't mean you can't be a good college student the other thing that i think that people think is that they can't afford to go to college and um how do you know have you applied for financial aid have you have you fill out scholarship applications have you seen what opportunities exist out there i think that people would be shocked at the number of grants that are available that you don't have to pay anything back. I think they'd be shocked, especially here in Enid, with the Enid Higher Education Council, the number of scholarship opportunities that exist, they, they jump to conclusions that college is really expensive. You hear it all over the place. You hear it in the national media. You hear it all over the place that college is so
0: expensive. When you mm-hmm. compare it to Harvard and Yale, of course, it's, you know. <laughs> or Baylor. Or, or Baylor. You know, so, yeah.
1: But you come out to NLC and you take a look at what our, tra- our tuition and fees are. It's not. You know, uh, a, a, this crazy high price to be able to go get your first two years of college. Go look at what the costs are at Northwestern Oklahoma State University. It's not crazy expensive. I know what the national media says, I know what the average cost of attendance is. We are well below the average cost of attendance. Come check it out. See what the see what the costs are. See whether or not you can afford it. Apply for financial aid. See what great what grants you qualify for, and find out. So, you so you it. weren't
0: the valedictorian at Perry? Is that what you're saying?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you if you told some of my high school teachers that I'm the vice president of the college, they're going to be wondering what yeah. has happened here. Yeah. They right? fudged on something here.
2: So, <laughs> Jeremy, uh, we've kind of asked this question with everybody because you know you've been now part of the enid fabric for for quite a while now um and we we contend that enid is a special place that just the community as a whole and uh, the people here our relationship with vance air force base like you mentioned um, our higher education opportunities and places like the ymca that that you know uh reaches out and affects our community in a great way what are the, what, Tell me what, what your feelings about Enid as a community is and with your family, raising your family here and and uh, now that you've been here a while.
1: When when we showed up, I was on my way. This is my first stop at a, at a, as a college baseball coach. We're going to do some good things here, and in three or four years, we're moving on. We're climbing the ladder. We're going to get on down the road. And then you get here, and you realize that this is a, an amazing place. And, you know, um, I interviewed other places and every time I would, I would interview, I would ask, is it a better situation than what I have in Enid? And I didn't, I never had that situation where I really felt like it was a, truly a better situation. So, um, Enid has, has become home to me. Um, and you know, I've, uh, I've talked about people have asked, are you going to, uh, get your doctorate now that I'm in the position that I'm at now, are you going to get your doctorate? And many of the people that I've talked to about um, pursuing a doctorate is that don't do it unless you're willing to relocate. And I've that's what my wife and I have talked about is I'm not willing to relocate. I like where I'm at. I like I like being at his home. You know, whenever you walk into David Allen Memorial Ballpark, like this is an amazing place. Like where where else could you go watch a game that's any better than this right here? You know, whenever you you come into our YMCA here, this is awesome like this. There, there are so many communities the size of Enid that don't have anything like what we have here. This is, I mean, and that's just a couple of examples. You, you already mentioned the, the, uh, what we have as far as uh, ability to, to receive higher education. Uh, I just think it's such a unique environment here. I think that it's so, there's so much of that small town camaraderie that you have. Like there's, there's people that are constantly supporting each other pulling for each other, wanting to see, see you be successful, but then also some of the the luxuries of a, of a, a larger city. Um, I don't think that there's a lot of places that have what we have here in Enid. Um, and it's, uh, it's certainly become home for me and my family. Um, I talking with my daughter, you know, she's a, a junior in college and asking her kind of, you know, what are your long, long uh, term plans and her long-term plans are Enid. This is home <laughs> for her too, you know, mm-hmm. so that, that feels good to know that this is where I want to be. This is where she wants to be. Uh, so that's that's what I'm hopeful for. I'm hopeful that we can keep uh, keep generations of of the Heises here in Enid, and and hopefully continue to contribute to what it is that makes Enid special. You know, just in some way, you know, helping you know here at the YMCA, helping it uh, Enid Higher Education Council, helping wherever I can uh, in order to make to to continue to make Enid special.
0: We've got that new pizza place. That doesn't hurt either though. So <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about ordering that tonight. I think Kathy's cooking, but uh, well, we're close to wrapping it up, Jeremy. We're glad you're here. Jeremy's also a part of our men's group on Wednesday morning. So I'm hitting the plug for that. Um, it's early 630. Jeremy usually shows up about 635. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> living under grace, right? Yeah. You could. You could. But we, uh, we appreciate everything you do for, for the wine, for the community and, and a good longtime friend of 20, probably a little over 20 years now. If you can imagine that. Yeah. I remember you guys were using my locker room, and I had to give you guys the boot when I when I moved over here the year after you guys were in there. But um, we guys appreciate guys everything you old. do. So we are getting old. So, but um, we again we appreciate everything that you that you do here, and we're just happy that you had a chance to visit with you, and we enjoyed it.
2: Thanks, Jeremy. Thank yeah, thanks, you. Jeremy.